Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a great place uh, to live, work, and play. I'm going to throw Kyle a little bit of a curveball here because I forgot to tell him I wanted to do this at the beginning. But, Kyle, you want to join me for just a second, if you don't mind? Um, and what I want to talk about, if we're real quick, and then we'll, we'll move to our guest, who is Julian Rankin, the executive director for the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. But, but what I want to talk to Kyle about is that our friend Steve Azor, who has in a Mississippi Minute – on Super Talk. What a great show that is. If you're not tuned into that, you should. It's on Thursdays and Fridays. I think it's at um, at one, I think it is. Um, but anyway, it's a terrific show. He talks to music uh, uh, and uh, artists and songwriters and professional golfers and people that he's come across in his touring across the nation. And it's just a really good show. But anyway, you know, he's a music and cultural ambassador of the state of Mississippi. He's been on Coast View many times. He and I have become really, really good friends. He's just, just an incredible guy. And he wrote a song that was commissioned by Governor Phil Bryant called One Mississippi. And um, well, anyway, there's been a, you know, I used, I used One Mississippi as the theme song for Super Talk Outdoors. And the good news is they introduced a bill. In fact, the Speaker of the House introduced a bill to make One Mississippi the state song for Mississippi. And uh, it, it just zoomed through the House. And uh, yesterday on, on the Gallo show, uh, the Lieutenant Governor, Delbert Hoseman, said that it's, it's a rocket ship going through the Senate. And uh, it may become the new state song for Mississippi. But anyway, Kyle, I'm so happy for Steve. And I mean, first of all, it's a great song, but I'm also happy for Steve. Yeah, I, you know, I mentioned this before. It could not happen to a better person in the world. I mean, yeah. he's such a great guy, humble to the core. Um, I, I'm really happy for him, and I hope it really, I mean, you know, every, all roads lead to it's going to happen as long as there's no crazy knuckleball curveball. You know. <laughs> and that can always happen, man, because yeah, there's no such thing as a sure deal. But here, here's what I want to encourage people to do, to go – Search YouTube, Steve Azar, A-Z-A-R, Steve Azar. He's the guy who did uh, uh, I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday. You know, just a great song. And, uh, you know, Waiting on Joe, that it was like number one video in country music for a good long time. Had uh, Morgan Freeman at the beginning narrating that. Just a great video. But, um, but anyway, do Steve Azar one Mississippi, and you'll get this version that has kids from a from St. Joseph's School doing the the chorus at the end and it's just terrific. And uh and also if you're really interested in Steve, go go do a search on YouTube. There's something in the water. There's something in the water and it's a it's a it's a documentary about Steve working with the Kingsmen who um who who were made obviously BB King and his backup band and he went to uh, he went to a really famous juke joint, and they and they created this this documentary of all these guys getting together to write these these songs that are all about Mississippi. And it's just a great documentary. It's called in, "There's Something in the Water," and it's available on YouTube. But I'm happy for him, my friend. Aren't you, buddy? 
I am too. I really can't wait to talk to him again about it. I, after it all happens, I'm sure we're going to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. He's actually headed to he's headed to uh, Spain for ten or twelve days, so he'll be in Barcelona and wherever else he's going to be. But I'll tell him I uh, keep him abreast of the changes as they as they occur. So he's 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 a happy camper. Anyway, I thought you would like that update uh, to at least the audience. And then let's turn turn over to my friend Julian Rankin and say, uh, Julian, if you had a chance to, to hear that song One Mississippi. I have, and I think it's a uh, it's an appropriate, you know, choice. And certainly, even the title itself goes to a lot of the things I talk about, which is that Mississippi is a, you know, a cipher for really anything, everything. And so, one Mississippi, not only within the state, we're all connected, but I think Mississippi has that cultural importance to the the larger country. And so, uh, it's a great a great tribute to the state. Yeah, he tried to. He, he didn't try. He did. He he made sure that he he divided Mississippi into five regions when he wrote the song. What's interesting about it, he met with the with the the governor, and the very next morning the song was done. He said that the song wrote itself, and he called the governor and left a message on his answering machine, and uh, you know he played it for him, and governor loved it, and then they ultimately, obviously, he he finished putting the finishing touches on it. They went to what is called the governor studio, and did a video. That's a YouTube video that people can watch if they look it up on on uh, YouTube. But it's a uh, it's a you know it's a guy who loves the Delta, loves loves the 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 role that art and culture plays in the state and he's he's you know just a really good spokesman for the state when he's outside the state doing all these fundraisers that he does and of course he still tours and and so on still writes a lot of music he's written like a thousand songs i, I think some of his best music is actually ahead of him when you see the uh, the song that he wrote with um God, let me remember his name uh cedric cedric uh, burnside uh, the the song called um, Cold Water. It's about a city, Cold Water in Mississippi, but it's really kind of an anthem for the uh, for the pandemic, and uh, and it's just really a great song. Just a really, and they did that by the way at the at the studio that Steve helped helped fund at Delta State, which is one of the most high tech recording studios in the nation now. And, uh, and and actually an old basketball court where Steve used to play basketball. So it's just kind of interesting the way all these dots connect. Anyway, enough about that. We'll switch gears. You know, I always enjoy spending time with you, Julian, because you've, you've got such a great way of words in terms of understanding the way, as I mentioned about Steve a second ago, with art and culture and how it connects with community and how it creates a sense of place. While the Walter Anderson Museum has this incredibly important place to play in terms of a, a destination that people might go to, what I'm most impressed about is the work you do outside the museum to help create and build community and a lot of that work. So let's we'll cover both of those today. So what's the latest inside the museum these days? Well, certainly just kind of museum um, basics. You know, we're putting up some new exhibitions as we speak. If you hear any beeping in the background, it would be some heavy machinery, you know, taking things off the walls and putting new things on. Um, I told them to be quiet, but we'll see. But yes, so new exhibitions coming on. And, and these are two two uh, pendant shows that kind of talk to each other. One's from an artist, uh, Martha Kelly, who's out of Memphis, but certainly, um, you know, Mississippi kind of claims Memphis. And so she's been you know, is a printmaker and has been inspired by Anderson. So we have her prints and then alongside a revisit to Walter Anderson's 1949 Brooklyn Museum show, which was to what we're speaking about, him him sharing his block prints with New York and with the larger art world. And so we're 
telling that story. And these, of course, for those who have been watching Hometown on HGTV, you know, it was recently uh, an episode which featured the the screen printing, which is taken from Anderson's 1940s block prints that the family still produces and that show up on, you know, in this show and in homes across the South and the country. But people don't really know, not everyone at least, the real story behind those prints, how Anderson used linoleum from the shipbuilding industry and really pioneered these designs that he made specifically so that they could be shared across the generations. And so there's an exhibition on that too. So that'll all be opening up really in a couple of weeks. So at the end of in, excuse me, at the end of next week, those will be will be on view. Yeah, I had um, I had uh, when I retired from the Sun Herald to to go to to advance Condé Nast, one of the one of the presents they gave me was, I think it was um uh, well certainly the black black prints, but I'm trying to remember. I think it was maybe my birthday or you know my year or whatever, and it was it was uh, distinguished in the black prints, but just really terrific, and it's, it's I'm very proud of it. I might add, but um, it was. Uh, it's it's interesting to see how his art art lives on. You and I have have cut and sliced in every possible direction, uh, but his travels around the world, his work in China, and how it influenced so much of what he was doing, and his he was so prolific. But it's it's amazing that I mean I guess we'll be in a scenario, Julian, where no where people continue to discover him who've never heard about him before, and especially with the documentary out now and the book. The book is so incredible. Um, that's going to in- introduce them to, to more people. But it's uh, it, you're, just, you're literally watching exponential learning take place, so exponential discovery taking place around Walter Anderson, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I just got, you know, messages and we get them all the time of people who, you know, whether they're, again, seeing him on a nationally you know, syndicated HGTV show or finding about the finding out about the documentary, which, um, if all goes to plan, is soon going to be in over 200 other markets, public uh, television markets across the country. And so we've been seeing so much activity, as I know the family's shop realizations has been from people outside of the state and even people who come here and they're always discovering the museum. I had one this morning who was telling me she just got back home to um, up north and was just remarking on how she had been changed by the the work she'd seen on view. And to your point, and even back to the exhibitions that are coming up, you know, this idea of it's not just Anderson stuck in time. It's the contemporary artists and the contemporary landscapes, the contemporary issues that we're all seeing right now that he is giving us a, a rubric and a design for making sense of and for um, for participating in. So that's really the magic of what we do today is, is doing things out in the world in the contemporary moment. It's truly, truly incredible. And uh, I'll tell you on the other side, something I've a prediction that I made as it relates to the documentary and the book and the impact that I think it's going to have. But we'll talk about that on the other side. And we'll find out what's happening in your community building world as well in the second half of the show. So we'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have Julian Rankin, who's the executive director for the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. And when we went to break, we were talking about how there's been this exponential discovery of Walter Anderson around the country. And this documentary that was recently done uh, is just one of the best. It's probably the best documentary on him that's been done so far. Family has contributed. Of course, Julian contributed. But it's a great telling of his story. It's a complex story that has a lot of twists and turns along the way and lots of influence. And But you can't, you can't watch it and not leave with... Um, with a true sense of this guy was an artistic genius in the way that he approaches art and his ability to sort of connect with the landscape and the extent to which he connected with the landscape so they could tell his story was just incredible. And it was shown well through that documentary. And then there's a accompanying book. And I can't help but think about George Orr and how you know someone doing a book about George Orr and you know some folks in New York getting getting their hands on it, and one thing led to another. And what was this prolific potter, who once like did ten thousand pots, and then there was a fire, and lots were destroyed. And then he did ten thousand more pots, but then, you know the mad potter of Biloxi, and then uh, you know here you know long, long, long after he had passed people began to discover his incredible ability to twist it and use a certain kind of mud. And it could, it was just artistic just incredibly genius what he did. And of course people witnessed it and understood it. And, uh, you know, one pot could go for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, same thing's going to happen with Walter Anderson. That's what I predict, because as you talk about going into other markets with that documentary and then people start to get interested and collectors start to get interested, we know how that works. It doesn't take long for that word to travel very rapidly for people who are not now fans of Walter Anderson. You expect that, don't you? Sure. And it was it's interesting because Anderson did, you know, shirk the spotlight during his life. You know, I mentioned we talked a bit about him going to China. That was right on the heels of him being invited to appear in New York at this sh exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum. And he, of course, famously left a note on the cottage door that said gone to China when his family came to get him for that show. So, you know, it's interesting that he is as much of a genius as any artist that, you know, was working at the time, but he was not interested so much in the spotlight. And I think that's interesting to think about, you know, with, with Mississippians. You know, we, of course, are world-renowned for our arts and culture, but at the same time, a lot of the work that happens here is happening on a grassroots level. It's very tied to a locality. And if you think about the documentary, you know, the people behind it, including Robert St. John, you know, the restaurateur and developer and, and chef, and Anthony Faxon, who was the filmmaker. But Robert St. John is, is um, you know, he's an artist in his own right, thinking about what new businesses and entrepreneurial endeavors can, can be you know, transformed in, in certain places or all across the state. Um, so I think that's kind of the cool thing. It's back to this one Mississippi idea is that when we talk about community building, you know, Anderson and Orr and, and all these Mississippi legends are really inspiring uh, what's contributing to the economic development of certainly the coast. And I was actually just the other night at Ground Zero Biloxi that had just opened their doors, you know, the Blues Club that, you know, is at the bottom of the map here. The Blues has migrated, you know, from the Delta down the the river, so to speak. And, and here we are, you know, celebrating that, looking at the ocean and the sea. And and you mentioned R.L. Burnside and Steve Azar. And it's all this musical tradition that's being shared with um, with people who are coming to the coast, whether they're tourists or residents. And that's the thing. We export culture, not just abroad and across the world, but within our communities and to each other. And it continues to reinvent itself. And that's really the magic of, of all of our creators in Mississippi and our, our constituents and communities is that there's a lot of potential um, everywhere you look. 
You know, I'm so I'm so honored and thankful that I had the opportunity to spend an entire Coast View show with uh, Bill Luckett, uh, Morgan Freeman's partner on the Ground Zero Blues Club, uh, not long before he unfortunately died. And um, I mean, I, I really will always cherish it because we went into great detail about, you know, here's Mississippi, you know, produced the king of rock and roll and the father of country music and uh, the king of blues and the impact that they had, you know, the blues from Mississippi had on the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. And I mean, this, the, I mean, we talked about we talked at, you know, at length about Robert Johnson and how how his approach to blues music back in those days, how so many years later it impacted people like Eric Clapton and others. Um the, the, what I hope that the Ground Blue, Blue Zero Ground Zero Blues Club in Biloxi becomes is a is a it's not the Clarksdale version, but the Biloxi version, but that is still true to the history, because I don't think people realize that they're actually blues markers in, in coastal Mississippi from the Blues Trail, which is one of the most incredibly innovative outdoor museums ever ever thought about, and uh, and now we have our place in history as it relates to that. I I do believe. You you see already in the early days, it's capturing some attention, isn't it? It is, and it's really well done, and it echoes, of course, and is inspired by what's happening in Clarksdale, but it's not trying to reproduce it. I think that's what's important about you know, many of these things is they're true to where they are. And, you know, when we you know we think about music, when we have concerts here, you know, one of our signature annual concerts is with Luther Dickinson of the North Mississippi All-Stars, and when he comes down here and does the a concert that pays homage to Walter Anderson's murals. He's pulling from the Hill Country blues, but also from, you know, the Mardi Gras Indian tradition and New Orleans jazz. And when you think about what the blues is, it really is, you know, a proto music for all of American music. And so it doesn't matter really what, you know, whether this is R&B or hip hop or country music, everything is connected, you know, back to those folk traditions, those early musical explorations that happened um, in the Mississippi Delta and across the state. And so that's what is happening in Biloxi. It's not going to be trying to reproduce exactly what's happening in Clarksdale, although those musicians will get to come down and share them, uh, share their talents with the world. But it's doing something that I think is going to be really unique to where it's located. And that's fun. Well, it's it's really it's really cool. I mean, you think about Keith Richards and Bob Dylan and Robert Plant and a long list of people have been impacted. Mississippi has really had an incredible impact and hopefully the Ground Blues Ground Zero Blues Club is not a Disney version of it, but really really its own version of something that tells the story through through its actions of how significant it is. And if it does that as it, as the Clarksdale version did, it's going to be really, really popular for many, many years to come. Hey, real quick, we got a short period of time left. How's your community building activities going? It's going great. You know, I both in, in my capacity here at the museum and, and um, as a private citizen, a lot of things in the works. You know, one thing I'll just mention, we've talked about this project before, but, you know, we're, you know, constructing large scale steel sculptures in Pascagoula. It's called the Pascagoula Public Art Enterprise. And this is where we're designing three steel sculptures that are designed and fabricated by career tech uh, students at the high school there as part of the CCTI campus, Pascua Gauche School District. And so I just wanted to kind of put a marker that in later in March, we're going to be installing our first sculpture on Delmas Avenue and in downtown Pascagoula. And 
and actually some new developments is some of the later sculptures, the next two are going to be used with repurposed steel from Ingalls. So Ingalls has come on board in a big way to help us use material. And that's a whole nother story to think about what that means, you know, to have artists, student artists and others making work from this material that's used, you know, for national security. So, you know, stay, uh, stay tuned to what the museum's doing, not just in Ocean Springs, but uh, beyond and all these other communities. And to what we talk about, it's, it's really just about taking this seed of this legacy, this kind of pristine um, body of work that Anderson left us and thinking about how it in contributes and can inform all of our lives, regardless of what sector we work in or what our interests are, because these things are all connected in terms of our livelihoods and um, our families, our communities. And that's always going to be the case. And so when people think of the museum, I hope in the future they continue as our campus expands, our programs expand, to look at us not just as a, a preservation um, institution that keeps the, the work alive and keeps it in existence, but one that really helps communities think creatively about how they can work together. I love that idea. I see I, you know, what when you think about Pascagoula and creating a historic district downtown and the mixed use that's coming together and the way that the you know, community leaders like Paige Roberts and Mayor Willis and all these people are working together to to really create something downtown that's not that operates at a very deep level. You know, and what I mean by that, it's got a good. That's very thoughtful, and you're trying to connect. You know, the 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 you know what that city is all about to its roots. And that art project does that in a cool way. And that's exciting to hear about the Ingalls' involvement on that. So we'll have to talk more about that in the future for sure. Yep, yep, absolutely. And it's always great to share this with you. You know, I think we need people to connect the dots. And um, that's, you know, that's the real capital, the natural resource that a lot of times, um, you know, folks who aren't fortunate to live in a place that has such rich culture can miss is that the authenticity comes from meaning making, from you know, the, 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 the paying homage to what came before, but really being authentic to what the needs of the community are. You know, we don't have to be, um, you know, Florida, you know, Louisiana, we are Alabama, you know, coastal Mississippi is its own thing. And I think the more the people see what's going on down here, the more they're going to want to be like us. But of course they can't, you know, we are our own thing. They are their own thing. And, and that's what makes us strong. And I look forward to all the partnerships and and things that are in motion down here, and it really does take everybody just working together and being aware of, of all the opportunities that are in front of us. I love the whole notion of meaning making while also paying homage to, to those who came before us that have influenced kind of where we are because it all adds up to create this unique sense of place. Pascal sense of place different than Ocean Springs and different than Moss Point. I love what's going on in Moss Point today. I mean, got a new mayor and new excitement, a great riverfront scenario there. It's going to be really cool. You go all the way over to Bay St. Louis and all points in between. Uh, you know, I've, the, the, even the mayor of Waveland and in my conversation with him, they have a different set of challenges. But just They're still just as focused on creating a very special sense of place. When you add it all up, the coast of Mississippi will be competitively strong and a very wonderful place to visit and work and play. So anyway, it's been great to talk to you, Julian. We'll, we'll chat with you soon. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.